This is your host, T. This is your host, Tia. Welcome back to another exciting episode of the Top 10. Why? Geek Vibes Nation. Geek Vibes Nation. 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 The Top 10. The Top 10. Hello, 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 everyone. Good morning and welcome back to another awesome episode of the Top 10 by Geek Vibes Nation. I'm your host, Tia, and we finally have Brittany back with us today. Hello, Brittany. Hello. I love when Tia's like, when I'm not there that one day, and she's like, she's been gone for 84 years. You're having like a Titanic moment. That was okay. That's honestly what it felt like. Not that Juwan wasn't a great substitute, but it feels like forever since we have done this. I know, I know. I'm like, glad to be back doing it. I was just like, man, I was like, it feels like forever. It really does, and it's so weird when it's just like one podcast. Well, I mean, it's been two weeks, so... But, you know, it's great to have you back. Um, It's not... You know, you weren't doing anything particularly important last weekend. Uh, rude. Tia knows that the the reason I missed the last weekend was because I got married. And I was like, oh, I don't need to, you know, maybe maybe this isn't the right weekend to do a podcast. Or I could have done it while I was floating down the river. Would that have worked for you, Tia? I mean, there was another alternative, but we won't get to that on air. Uh, the audience doesn't need to hear any of that. No. <laughs> but Juwan and I forget what we did last week. Oh, we did um, the top Director. 10 dir- directors, and that was a great um, show. So this week, um, it is Father's Day today. So happy Father's Day to all of the dads out there, dads, grandpas, uncles, father figures, and all that jazz. Um, Just happy Father's Day. I know later on I will be going to my parents' house to celebrate Father's Day with my dad and my grandfather. So I don't know what you're doing, Brittany. Are you going to see your um, dad today? Yeah, I'm not sure exactly what they have planned for the day because normally they're running around so much on the weekends. But I'm going to try to catch him. (laughs) Definitely going to try to catch Dad. See, any holiday, my mom always has, like, a big to-do at her house, does, like, food and everything. She texted me yesterday saying, oh, make sure you bring your appetite because there's going to be a lot of food. And I'm like, all right, well, you know, sounds good to me. (laughs) I will never forget, like, so, so Tia knows, like, I... I love eating, but I have a problem eating a large quantity. And the and the one time I like not the one time it was one time I came over and I was and you're like Brittany, beware! You don't have to eat everything. It's okay. And I was like, no, no, it's fine. And I I put like a pretty good dent in my plate, and I was like, oh man. I'm so full. I'm so full, but I didn't want to insult your mom, but I was like, I'm so full. And then, like, she came over and put more on the plate, and the look <laughs> I gave you, and the look you gave me, and you just went, Brittany, it's okay, I swear. I was like, I don't want to leave That's just how it is coming from an Italian-American family based out of New York. We just 
eat a lot. Um, this is going to be, we didn't get to do something like this for Mother's Day because, you know, it was like right in the smack, you know, middle of the pandemic and my grandparents didn't necessarily feel safe to kind of be around people. So we didn't really do anything for Mother's Day. So now that like, you know, I guess we're quote unquote flattening the curve. Um, we'll be getting together for Father's Day. So we'll be doing that after the podcast. <laughs> oh, nice, nice. I miss, I miss getting to see your family. We missed you too here. Again, it's not like you have anything particularly important going on in October. No. <laughs> <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> Brittany's like, I woke up for this. So Brittany died yesterday. Um, I was like talking to her and then suddenly it was like radio silence. And I was like, okay, hopefully she'll wake up tomorrow for the show. <laughs> it's always like a... Um, a mystery. Will Brittany wake up in time for the top I, 10? I sat there and like I was like, I, I died so hard that I woke up and I, I rolled over and I looked at Anna and said, oh my god, what time is it? Uh, <laughs> and I was like, I think it's it like 8 o'clock and I went, oh thank god. And then I promptly <laughs> rolled up and went back to bed without setting an alarm. I was trying to do the show a little earlier in case, like, you know, like to free up plans more in the day. But, you know, Brittany will always be there for the 10 o'clock show. Um, but as I said, today is Father's Day and we are doing so this is such like casted like such a wide net. Um, it is the top 10 best and worst dads in TV and uh, film. I just didn't want to like restrict us or anything. Um, we've done like top 10, I think worst dads entirely top 10, maybe best or something. I felt like it would be interesting to do like five and five. So say like uh, 10 through six will be the worst and then five through one will be the best. So, you know, we'll start off with the worst and we'll end on a good note. Okay, I can do that. I can do that. <laughs> well, I hope so. No. <laughs> I love you, Brittany. I'm giving you so much shit. It's just because, like, as I said, I missed you last week. Tia has a weird way of showing how much she loves slash misses someone. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, I am an only child, so I guess, like, oh. that sort of behavior comes out. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. I'm excited I was, for the worst dads more than anything. I'm like, oh, they so many. <laughs> dads don't have a good role and shit. Have you realized that they'll normally make the mom like very angelic and soft or, you know, died when they were young and then the dad's like the dick? I was just going to say that it's like either the mother is like the Virgin Mary or she's dead. <laughs> like they killed her off like at a, at a young age, you know, it's like one or the other. There is no in between. Jesus Christ. I have to say before we go any further into the podcast, um, I'm going to say this on air because um, it's been a while since we've talked. I know one week, but. You know, that's like two weeks. Um, Brittany 
needs to watch the John Wick trilogy. I have been obsessed lately, and I want to say this on air that I'm holding you accountable. So if anyone is listening to this podcast who is a fan of Britney's Twitch streaming career, make sure on her uh, streams that you comment and tell her she needs to watch the John Wick movies. Gee, you know, it, and it's so funny because people always bring up about John Wick because, uh, oh, Tomb Raider, right? The wolves can attack you, and they're and I killed one, and I was like, oh, I feel so bad, puppy. And they're like, if this was John Wick, <laughs> you'd already be dead. I everyone talks about like, oh, you know, they killed John's dog, and it's like you like before you see the movies it's like such an abstract concept and then when you watch the movie you're like oh my god what a dick like you get so mad and so upset and i was like i don't like this i don't want to see this so yeah but um (laughs) go ahead sorry you know that meme where it goes omiwa shindru where it's like i don't know if i have that quite right but it's from an anime right an old one where this guy goes it goes you're already dead and like but that's just wraps john wick up like that whole sentence like you're already dead because it showed the guy would like he'd be like you're already dead and the guy would be like like look at him weird and then suddenly his whole body would be destroyed or like (laughs) murderized and i'm like you know what that's john wick no it totally is like i know this is so off topic but really quick that's like pretty much the premise of the first fucking movie like you know the guy kills john wick's dog the father of the kid um, is this big Russian mobster who, like, John Wick used to be employed by. And as soon as he finds it, as soon as he finds out, he pretty much tells his son there's nothing that you could do. The son's like, oh, I'll, you know, I'll finish what I started, you know. But And, and the father's like, all you could do is just accept that John Wick will find you. And, like, pretty much tells him, like, get out of fate. Like, pretty much says, like, your fate has already been sealed. There is nothing anyone can do for you. You're going to die. How awful would that be to hear that from your father? I know. <laughs> talk about talk about one of the worst fathers, right? <laughs> and kids and mom. Like, yeah, you're used to dying, but like I feel like with the upper family, there like is a certain level of like hey you don't like touch the kids unless they're like really like in the business and i'm sure he's like been used to getting away or doing whatever he wants and to be told like this dude's gonna kill you like you'd be like oh you're just fucking with me and it's like no no dude (laughs) you already did not when it comes to Mr. Week, but um, let's just jump right into this podcast. Of course, um, as I've been doing, I want to share a message from a friend of the podcast. They're super awesome, and they also plug our show every single show as well. So, um, and this comes from the main Dammy family of podcasts, who would really like to shine some light on their. D and D podcast called Stranger Damies, and of course, since I know nothing about D and D, one of the members, Anthony Delvecchio, is always so kind to send me a um, a script. So here you go. Um, 
Stranger Damies is the ongoing real play D&D podcast from the main Damie family of podcasts. Make sure you join them every Wednesday as the wild stallions traverse the many traps and tribulations that Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition has to throw in their path. There's elves, weird half dragon people, conspiracies to uncover, and more references to the 1980s than Ready Player One. Subscribe to the podcast on all podcast services by searching Stranger Damies and follow them on Instagram and Twitter at Stranger Damies. Stranger Damies is also a proud member of Geek Vibes Nation. You can find us at geekvibesnation.com. I would say, Brittany, next time you come to New York, if that ever happens again, <laughs> um, that maybe you could like teach me Dungeons and Dragons because I know that you are doing it, but I'm pretty sure you need more than just two people to do it. See, I, what I think would be fun is, is what's hard is you have to be like so dedicated to it, right? You have to like, you know, constantly like every week or else you make like no progress but i had some like twitch people that were like you know what we should do we should you know how i was doing it like online because you know we can't really get together at one because of everything going on and oh sorry i started to like take a deep breath it caught my breath <laughs> um and then uh oh what's the word for it with everything going on plus a lot of my friends are all over the place uh, yeah. They were talking about doing it online, and that part could show you up if we ever started a game that we could do weekly, and just like all you gotta do is bring up two sh- like browsers, and you're good, like two tabs. Well, we'll certainly see how it goes. If anything, I'll become a little bit more educated in something that is pretty much a quintessential part of being like a nerd or a geek. So. We never know, but let's hop right into this um, top 10, which is, again, the top 10 best and worst dads in TV and films. Now, Brittany, you're going to start us off at number 10. And remember, 10 through 6 are going to be the worst. Okay. I am going to go with Harry Wormwood from Matilda. Oh, yes. Okay. <laughs> okay. First off, can we talk about Matilda's beginning? It was him bitching about how, like, he wasn't going to pay the medical bill for, uh, get, like, for his wife giving birth to Matilda. And that they didn't, they have, like, like a cradle, right? Like, what, what do you call that? Like, where it's not for... I, it's not a car seat. Is it a cradle? What would you call that? And they just throw her in the back seat. Like, they don't even strap her in, like, out of the hospital. And they just peel out of the fucking, like, parking lot. And the, like, baby carrier is, like, spinning around in the very back seat. And I'm like, I don't even know how Matilda has existed this long. <laughs> like, like, I don't know how she made it to adulthood. And we see, like, one, like, he obviously favors his son and that he's fairly spoiled. And first off, second off, he has the car place, right? Like, where he sells car, like, used cars. But what he, what does he do? He puts, uh, he puts sawdust in the gas. And she's like, Dad, can't we do, like, can't we do, like, so good cars? Can't we just do the good things? And he's like, what does he say? I'm little... 
Uh, no, you're little, I'm big, I'm smart, you're dumb. Like, I, I still remember that because mom and dad used to do that to me to mess with me as a kid. They would be, I'd be like, no, no, I'm smart, I'm smart. <laughs> but you know how mom and dad are. They always got to mess with you. They, they're vicious, but um, I'm trying to think, too. Um, also, like... Uh, first, like, second off, the parents both are awful. Like, that much is true. They both are awful people. But, um, but they, he, like, ends up getting in trouble with the law. Like, I don't know if it's, like, the FBI or what, but they end up, like, they go on the run. And what do they do? They just sign their daughter over. Like, no, not even blinking. Like, they're, like, they're, like, sad. But it's almost, like, sad, like, oh, if you, like, adopted a puppy and it wasn't quite what you thought, so you just, like, throw it away. And you're, like, a little bummed about it. But I don't know. He's just a pretty awful dad. Like, it's a fair point why Matilda glued his hat to his head. First, I will say for anyone who's listening, you should never throw away an uh, adopted puppy. Uh, Brittany, what are we doing here <laughs> promoting these type of things? That's, that's, not- that's how he acts. That's how he acts. And he's a bad person. So, like, by, uh, by reference, that should be the, the main uh, getaway from that. To be fair, like him signing over the rights to like for Matilda was like the best thing to ever happen to Matilda. But it's so funny. So that's Danny DeVito's character, right? Yeah. Okay. It's been so long since I've seen Matilda. And it's like, you know, when you look back at Matilda, you think of all like, you know, her supernatural powers. You think of like the cake eating scene. You think of like all the other like crazy scenes like with the teacher and stuff like that that I even like forget how awful they actually are and it's like you talking about just like brought it all back and I was like I remember now like them just like tossing her pretty much in the back of the car and I'm like that is so not good (laughs) and they're not even excited about like having like their new baby because you would think like when people have a kid, they're like, oh, my God, this I've created this. I love them. You know, it's supposed to be like this instantaneous attachment to their child. And they're like just bitching about the bill. They're just bitching about how much it costs and how he's not going to pay it. And he goes, he goes, what are they going to do? Repossess her? I mean. I'm sorry, I was just, like, laughing at that. I mean, to be fair, it is very expensive to know. <laughs> um, I was going to say, um, shit. Yeah, no, I think this is a great way to start off the list because it totally brought me back. I feel like there's been multiple lists that we've done and you've brought up Matilda. And I'm like, God, that was such a good movie. Like, I love that movie as a kid and I feel like next time we get together if we ever do the like watch party that we've been talking about doing for like the past two months we should do Matilda we should also do John Wick yes yes sorry I'm so into John Wick right now I will like use any like point to talk about John Wick and it's bad like the but the only like bad dad I could think of in that is the dad that I just told you about the Russian guy so you know he couldn't really make it on the 
list. I mean, you can't really bring a dead puppy back. No. And the puppy was really cute, too. All right? It was like a beagle. It was really cute. I know. They're so cute. They go a lot. I know. Cindy's dog is like a beagle lab, like chocolate lab mix. Such a beautiful dog. Um, But yeah. Uh, Harry Wormwood from Matilda. Great way to start this list off. Um, I'm going to hit the next one. And um, I'm going to do... Okay, they're pretty much... Like, I have two people, and they're pretty much the same people, but I'm going to wait to see if I'm going to use the other person. Um, okay. I'm. This is going to be a big one. I'm, like, coming out with the big guns right now. All right, Brittany, are you ready for this? Okay. Oh my god, I don't know. <laughs> uh, I'm going to put Odin from the Marvel movies. Is yes. definitely. Oh, <laughs> come out swinging. <laughs> I know. I was like, I'm coming out swinging in this one. Um, definitely one of the worst dads. Like, I think you and I can agree that the only time that Odin had like a moment of being a good father was right as he was on the brink of death and he said, my sons, I'm so very proud of you. And it was like, wow, Odin. But besides that, it's like you had in the first Thor where he clearly favored Thor over Loki. You pretty much find out that he only took Loki as a relic of war um, and then he banishes Thor. He freaking um, you know when Loki is on the edge of the- like I'm sorry. Alright? Your your son clearly has problems. He just found out that he was like adopted. Not only was he adopted but he is part of a race that the Asgardians like absolutely hate and mock and tell scary nightmare stories which it's like you would think knowing that your son is like say from Jotunheim that you would try and like put a you know pin uh, a needle in that of people telling him awful stories about Jotunheim and Frost Giants just saying so that he doesn't grow up with uh, a ton of self-resentment that makes sense once he finds out like the truth but just saying um but he lets him go like he t- like I'm sorry okay Loki's sitting there going I did it for you father for all of us you could have just been like yes Loki okay now let's get off of the bridge and get off the bridge and then you go you mother effer fuck you you know but no he goes no Loki and then Loki like drops like Loki could have died no one knew that he was gonna live I remember watching the first Thor and I'm like oh man that was the best character just fucked off you know and then in the freaking second Thor, not only does he tell Loki, like, because I rewatched Thor Dark World, much to, like, my chagrin, it was definitely a tough experience, but he told Loki that, because Loki's like, oh, it's my birthright, like, being, say, king, because Odin was like, oh, you tried to be the king of Earth, and he's like, it's my birthright, and Odin, like, full-on goes, your birthright was to die um like that he full-on says that so he and he tells loki the only reason why he's still alive is because of frigga um not because he would want to spare his own son and he pretty much banished him to be imprisoned for all of eternity and then tells thor that his girlfriend which you know i didn't like jane either but pretty much tells her that she's a goat like he says would you bring a goat to the dinner table you know like just so looking down like so harsh 
throughout that whole entire thing. So again, uh, Odin has never been a good dad. His only little moments of being decent were in Thor Ragnarok before he died. Um, And clearly he also had these problems with Hela. And that's not saying like Hela definitely was Hela crazy. Hela Um, Hela evil. Hela evil. But like Odin shaped that and Hela even says you know he was right alongside me conquering all of these planets you know drawing bloodshed and then suddenly it became too much for him suddenly he wanted to promote peace and because I was still doing my job then I have to get banished you know so it's like Odin was the one who got to decide when they stopped being like that um and and like you could have at least then even told your sons that they had like a freaking sister that upon his death will be released and they're going to have to fight her and she's super fucking strong. So yeah, Odin is definitely on the list of worst fathers. And of course it's because Sir Anthony Hopkins is such an amazing actor that we even can feel this uh, vehemently about him. I think it's like too. You know what I thought was kind of funny is you know how like everybody, like not everybody, but like a lot of people joke like to their parent when they're doing something like messed up or like jokingly, and they're like, "Oh, I can't wait to put you in the nursing home." That's yeah. how I feel. Like I was like Loki. That Loki like, did. <laughs> he literally does that, and I thought it was so funny. But like, Did and at first I thought that. I didn't even put that together where it's like, I can't wait to put it. It's like, he literally did. He did the most like human earthly thing that people do and put him in a fucking nursing home. I was just like, I was like, geez. And at first I felt bad for Odin. Like what's funny is like by the time that had came out, right. I felt so bad for Odin. And I was like, Oh, they put him in a nursing home and Oh, he's passing away. And Oh, but like, like there was somewhere else that you brought it up how bad Odin was and I was like god he's the worst he literally like he was bad all the way up until that point but it was like because he was dying they had to give him a redemption well it's because Taika Waititi made everything better in Thor Ragnarok and he's like you know what instead of having Odin as a raging dick all the time maybe I should actually do like some sort of um therapeutic relationship between a father and the sons because while uh thor kind of like doesn't seem to be very phased by it that's something that has really impacted loki clearly throughout his life so it's like maybe i should like make things good before he dies and odin was the one in thor ragnarok that like gave thor the inspiration and the motivation to continue on to fight against hella but i still maintain that he's one of the worst fathers because of how he behaved in thor one and two no i agree definitely i just always wonder with characters like this is are they a dick because they're a dick or because they think that they have to act a certain way or make an example out of someone like with loki it's like you know he did kind of do all this bad shit even if it was that he created it and it's like but you know i'm like is he redeemable is he redeemable in that fact or is he just being the king but then again he uh the the kind of like the 
what did you call it? The, the prejudice against, like, humans, like, and how inferior he finds them. Which is so funny, because you don't see any of the normal Asgardians having, like, crazy powers and shit. So I'm kind of, like, always curious by that. I'm like, they're not much different than human. That is very true, because I feel like in Thor, you know, not so much, I think, Thor 1... But, like, Thor 2, I mean, they had, like, the Maidens, and they had, like, other people. Like, there's, it seemed to be a very human-like society where you had people, obviously, like, Thor and his, you know, royal family. And you had Heimdall and Sif and all that. But the, And they were quite strong. But, um, well, first of all, the Warriors 3 was easily freaking defeated. Um, and they had all of the civilians. And even in, remember... Um, uh, Avengers Infinity War, the uh, SOS signal that they let out at the beginning of the movie, they say this is a civilian ship, we're not soldiers. So it's like, they clearly have people who are quote-unquote like weaker than other Asgardians, but yet Odin's like, no, but even they are superior to the Midgardians. Man. Those bitches. Those bitches. But yeah, so Odin's definitely my number nine. Brittany, what's your number eight? Man, if we're already coming out swinging, <laughs> I'm going for Thanos. Oh my god, he was on my list too. I'm so glad I didn't take him. No, no, no. I'm glad. No, no, no. I have others. I'm so glad I didn't take him. I didn't think you were going to put him on the list because we all know that you're a Thanos apologist. And I was like, I want on record that he's a terrible father. <laughs> is a terrible father. Well, I was thinking about the other one day because I was looking up like uh, how to make cosplays, right? And I was looking into Nebula and I was like, man, I kept wondering, I was like, I wonder what she used to look like. And I sat there and I was like, well, what happened to her again? Because I was trying to think and I was like, oh yeah, Thanos did that. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, she kind of has a horrible father. It, okay, first off, how creepy there is like a certain level of creepiness of like some big ass dude only collectively like collecting uh girls yes. and daughters and just like going to these planets where he wipes out half their population which i'm still curious if it was like a mess up on their side that you know gamora is the only like living a uh, person of her race or you know or what because Thanos wiped out half the planet then maybe it was to show that even wiping up half the population maybe didn't make it flourish the way that they thought because it doesn't get rid of the problems that they had because I think uh, Thanos said that it was constantly like in a civil war and that people were starving but you know first off he just like takes her and you know it's like half of her people are getting murdered, like almost in front of her. But he's like, Oh, yeah, look at the pretty knife. It's balanced. Look at it. And then you have Nebula, and you sit there and go, Well, I wonder what happened to her. But how messed up is it that every time that you lose to your sister, you literally get like a part of your body chopped off and replaced? I cannot imagine that being very um, comfortable. I can't, like, I sounds like it's going to be pretty painful, especially, uh, and even if it was one of those things that there wasn't a lot of physical pain from it, I feel like there'd be a lot of emotional pain from it. 
Well, it's interesting what you said about the fact that Thanos only took young girls because I forget if it was Nebula or Gamora who says that, but at some point in like the second Guardians of the Galaxy, they mention, you know, there's still plenty of like vulnerable girls out there, you know, and that's why we need to stop Thanos. So it's like, it's not like they said there's a lot of vulnerable children. They said girls. And it's like, that is creepy. (laughs) And I remember in the first Guardians of the Galaxy when Ronan was um, talking to Thanos about the fact that Gamora, um, you know, obviously betrayed them. And he goes, and you isolated my favorite daughter. And says that right in front of Nebula, you know? Right in front of Nebula. Like, you isolated my favorite daughter in regards to Gamora. Uh, so I'm like, way to go, Thanos. And then, uh, okay. Uh, and let's not forget, he fucking killed his daughter Gamora because, you know, wiping out half of existence was more important, right? And I, like, to me, I loved what Gamora said in that those final moments because it's like, I feel like it would be so easy to misconstrue, like, oh, you know, he's tearful, he's saying how proud he is, I always want you to take after me, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, this isn't love. Like, it's not love to kidnap and train and belittle people and, you know, genetically modify. Because even though uh, Nebula clearly had more modifications, he still genetically modified Gamora because they do say that at some point. I forget if it was like in the first Guardians or what, but he definitely also genetically manipulated her. And she looks like she has like little, uh, oh, almost cybernetic things like near that one eye you know yeah. what i mean yeah that i'm like i'm like man could you imagine being a kid and being like oh my whole family's dead oh i'm taken in by this guy that's basically saying he's my dad now okay oh now i'm being trained to be a murderous bitch and now i'm being genetically <laughs> modified i feel like you know what he never mind i want to put him as number one best dad <laughs> He constantly pinned, by the way, Nebula and Gomorrah against each other. The fact that he full-on made them fight against each other when they were supposed to be siblings. And it even caused Nebula to have these, like, really bad, you know, like... She clearly has, like, all these issues because she says, all I wanted was a sister. It's like, but... And Gomorrah's like, well, all I wanted to do is survive. And it's like, they're children. They shouldn't be, like, thinking about shit like this. And... Doesn't Nebula say in the first Guardians to Gamora, she goes, out of all of our siblings, you were my fate. You were the one I hated the least. So they clearly had other siblings. What happened to those siblings? What did Thanos do to them? (laughs) I'm curious, too, because uh, second off, like, I know, like, Ebony Maw and them, I don't think they were raised by Thanos, and I could be wrong with that. But I either wonder if those children are spread out and Thanos just didn't care about them, or did they die? Probably Nebula killed them. (laughs) (laughs) Nebula definitely killed them. No, and then remember in the second, not the second, I was going to say, the second Avengers Infinity War, Avengers Endgame, um, when they kept going back to the past, right, the 2014 version of Thanos, um, and freaking like 
how scared Nebula was because remember there was something with their like computers like that were syncing up. So like present day Gamora, not present day Gamora, present day Nebula's like what she was seeing was like getting like mixed up with 2014's Nebula and they were seeing it and they're like, oh, you betrayed us, you know, blah, blah, blah. And she was like, no, no, I would never do that. And it's like Thanos didn't even want like a sort of like explanation at first. At first he was like full on just gonna be like you dead and like you know Gamora had to be like no like this clearly has to be a mistake or something yeah and it's like it's obvious that Gamora did love her like you know he did she did feel so bad but it was such like survival mode it was a survival mode and there's one line in the second Guardians of the Galaxy which I feel is overlooked and I feel like it was important for Nebula to hear because there's at some point where um, in the second Guardians where, you know, Drax and Gamora and Mantis are all fighting and they're fighting about, you know, like having to save Peter Quill because Peter doesn't know that his father ego is like a megalomaniac. You know, he would also be really good on this list of worst dads. Um, but freaking, you know, Nebula goes, you're not friends, because they say, like, oh, that's my friend, you know, and Nebula's like, all you do is fight, all you do is bicker, you're not friends, and Drax goes, no, we're not, we're family, to pretty much let, like, Nebula know, like, you know, yeah, like, you and Gamora fight all the time, that doesn't make you any less of family, and I think, like, after that, that kind of helped, like, mend the relationship between Nebula and Gamora. Man, I just want, like, I wouldn't even mind, like, uh, as as scary and messed up as it would be, that I would like a prequel, like, Gamora story of, like, her being trained and, like, the, like, things she's had to put up with, and maybe, like, what, like, what came up to her actually finding the map, remember, for the Soul Stone, and how she said that, you know, she destroyed it, but she memorized it, you know, like, that Nebula memorized it. Oh, yeah. Well, Gamora knew where it was, even though she destroyed it, but it was in Nebula's, um, like, memory bank, because they showed the footage of Gamora, which is really terrible, like, Nebula just constantly has a recording device always, and Gamora to be like, and in that recording, Gamora was like, you know, I know where it is, but I destroyed the map, so, and that's why, um... Gamora says to Peter Quill, if Thanos gets me, you have to kill me because I'm the only one who knows where it is. Which is so depressing. So, so depressing. Yeah, that's a whole other thing to, like, unbox. But, yeah, Thanos definitely um, deserves to be on the list for worst fathers. Um, I'm going to take the next one, and this is my last in the worst category. So again, I'm going to go out swinging, and I'm going to put Darth Vader as one of the... I have Polly in the kitchen literally eating toast and shaking his head at me of this, but... <laughs> <laughs> that needs to be a meme, just like eating toast and judging. <laughs> but <laughs> um, yeah, so definitely it's going to be Darth Vader because, all right, he is first, like when you talk about movie villains, right? Iconic movie villains, especially in, say, like the nerd genre throughout film history. Darth Vader is always like up there. It's like he's the quintessential, like, 
bad, looming, dark figure, right? And it's like Anakin, while Anakin, um, murdered a bunch of children. And I know that's like, those were his kids. It's like, but murdered a shit ton of children. Literal children. Not like teenager children, which is still bad, but like toddlers. (laughs) Oh, I know. They're so tiny. When that part of the movie happened, I was like, I remember I was so young and I looked at mom and she just like, does the mom shrug? Like, I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, so like, awful. And then I forget, it's like, so obviously like Padme dies, right? And that's kind of what like pushes his like fuel induced um, rage and all of that. And it's like, he freaking um, did he ever like go to like look to see if his kids were out there? You know, did he ever like search for them or anything like that? I think if I remember correctly that um, that they basically make up like oh like Obi-Wan and them basically say that the kids died during the labor like they died along with Padme I think don't hold me to that because they didn't want Anakin to come for them because he knew that he would well yeah at that point he had turned to the dark side you could you were the best of us the chosen one (laughs) it's like he starts Vader dark father I mean when you were like he's such a dark evil and I was like Darth you mean he's a Darth Vader (laughs) (laughs) no seriously it's like that's just to me and then so freaking in um I guess the original trilogy right the one that came out in like the 70s he first of all okay it's like so clearly he like finds out at some point that luke is his son like his son is still around i have to say that he makes no effort at all to um have any sort of relationship with leia just saying uh so he's sexist no (laughs) Um, but but so he literally cuts his own son's hand off after he's like luke i am your father no <laughs> um, you know, and he doesn't he say like, "Oh, I can train you. Come to the dark side." And it's just like I don't know. He like Darth Vader is essentially like the incarnation of evil. Even though I will say he does have a slight redemption arc. Right at the end, he admits his ways were bad and that he wishes that it wouldn't have been like that or anything and that he sees now the light and the kindness, which makes sense when you look back at like the uh, prequel trilogy of Anakin like Anakin wasn't all bad you know he was a good kid and he had good intentions so it's not like he was 100% evil all the time it's just that now that he was like deformed and Darth Vader it's obviously different but um whatchamacallit it which are, I have to say really quick I know this has nothing to do with anything but um it always pissed me off Brittany in the recent trilogy that you have kylo ren who's so hell-bent on quote-unquote avenging his grandfather and continuing 
continuing the legacy that his grandfather put in place when it's like your grandfather even admitted at the end of his life that that wasn't something that he should have you know done right yeah. but that just always bothered me I but what do you think about um that they ahead, twisted sorry. it though i think like the dark side had like twisted that story yeah no i sorry i had to take myself off mute um no i agree with that 100 percent. the dark side definitely manipulated that and wanted some sort of because you know anakin was quote unquote the chosen one so i think they probably wanted that bloodline to continue with um kylo ren which you know he's no darth vader he's no darth vader I okay. I will say that like you are right. Like Brittany and I have this conversation sometimes. But you know, Adam Driver is a very like well-known actor. He's in a lot of projects, and freaking you know, he kind of does have like a baby face. Especially what years ago when this trilogy first started. Like I want to say, when did the trilogy start? Like back in 2016 or something or whatever. Yeah, 2015. Yeah, I don't know. But, you know, he clearly still had, like, a young face because he is young. He's not that old. He's... I'm going to look it up right now because <laughs> I feel it. He's 36 years old. Like, he, you know, young, right? Um, yeah. So, Brittany, Brittany and I always had this conversation where we saw, we didn't see it together, but we had the same uh, experience. We went to go see uh, The Force Awakens in the theaters. And at first you see Kylo Ren and he has the helmet on. He's so, like, dark and and mysterious. And you're like, oh, shit. All right. Cool. Yeah. And you're, like, sitting here like, I like this. This guy's, like, evil. It's dark. You know, blah, blah, blah. And he gets, like, Ray, And he, like, has her all strapped up. And we're kind of like, I'm interested now. <laughs> and- <laughs> you see those things where they go, that's my kink. That's-, that's my king like you know the thing where it's like mark me down as scared and horny it's like yeah 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 and then he takes the helmet off and Adam Driver was so baby faced at that point that's like ah, yeah, never mind are grinning and their face slowly like loses the- <laughs> that was me I was and- like, no and that's not to say I have to say this like and this is just my personal like opinion you don't have to feel the same way Brittany but like Adam Driver is a good looking man and I certainly think that he's like matured throughout the years like if you look at his recent work he certainly looks more manly um whereas before he looked just like younger so I think maybe if he would have done that now, it would have had maybe a a slightly different reaction. But at that point, him looking so young and taking that helmet off. He was like the kid in high school that were like, like, that their hair over their face. (laughs) He looks like he should have had a pair of trip pants on. Look like, look like, like, romance. Like, if they would have just kept that helmet on, it would have been a completely different situation. And again, I have to say, because, like, Adam Driver's huge, and I don't want anyone coming for our throats. I like Adam Driver. I've seen plenty of his work. I just think at that moment, he looked like an emo kid. <laughs> I, it's 
funny is I was like, man, I can't be the only one that feels this way. But I've read plenty of things where they're like, when he took the helmet off and you were like, no, 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 put it back on. <laughs> put it back on, put it back on. Oh, God. I I would love to know, like, what he thinks, but apparently he's like Johnny Depp. He doesn't, like, watch his own shit. It's like, I just would love to get, like, what do you think of that moment? It's like, <laughs> of you taking that helmet off. Does it have the reaction for you that, like, we had as well? Man, could you imagine if you didn't watch the movies you were in? Think of all the good films you've missed out on. Right? But I do think, like, um, it was hard for me to re-listen to our podcasts, right? But I had to get used to it because I wanted to make sure that, like, everything was, like, good with our podcast. And it was so strange at first to listen to your own voice. And I have to imagine that's the same with acting where it's like you're literally like looking at yourself and we're we are all our worst critics. So they must just be nitpicking it apart. Like, I mean, I'm sure there are plenty of actors out there who are so narcissistic and they're like, damn, I was good there. (laughs) Right, right. I can see Brad Pitt doing that. Oh my god, is it funny that in my head that's who I thought of? I have no idea if that's like true or not, but I was thinking about Brad Pitt. You know, that's like with Twitch stuff, and I'll, I'll re-go through the VODs like after I'm done, which is like basically the whole entirety of the stream as one like video, so you can download it and do stuff with it if you want. And I'll sit there and like, or sometimes people will clip something. They'll clip like a 30 second thing of my stream and send it to me while I'm on stream so I can re-see it. And I like, uh, and they laugh at me all the time because I'll hear my voice and I'll go, no, and I'll instantly pause it. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, dude, you're talking. And I'm like, yeah, but I don't want to hear it. And plus, what you hear your voice as is different than when you replay your voice. You're like, I don't sound like that. Um, But clearly you do. (laughs) So, yeah. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, so my number seven is Darth Vader. Brittany, you're going to round out the worst dads for number six. I'm like looking at my list. I gotta figure out which one's the best. You know what? Can I do a cartoon? Yeah, absolutely. We do a Peter Griffin. Oh Worst dad. Brittany, Brittany, Brittany. What is up with us today? I was th- when <laughs> as soon as you said animated, I was like, what? Like Peter Griffin? What he so, we have such a mind sink to you, a mind sink. No, worst dad. Oh my gosh. First off, okay, these are from like the first seasons, right? Like, obviously, they made Meg uh, more unlikable as things went on. Like, she does like kidnap Joe Swanson, like, at some point and like basically get obsessed or like she'll do fucked up things, right? Like, when she went to prison and got buffed. But, yeah. but like, he is so abusive. Okay, let's go. First off, he's an idiot. Second off, he's unattentive, right? Like, yeah, like at first they make Lois pretty great. They make everybody pretty great except for Peter, who just seems like an asshole. Because at first they made him more of an asshole than an idiot. But you're like, oh, it's funny because it's Peter. And then they'll do like little flashback scenes and you go, oh, 
okay, you know, that was pretty messed up. But I- I'm trying to, like, pinpoint it. Because there's so much stupid, awful shit he does. Like, one, you have to think about how much debt he racks up for this family. Which I know, you know, it's animated. It's just, like, a lot of joking. How many times has he crashed the car? I mean, he, like, or how many times has he been like, I spent our savings on a helicopter, instantly crashed it into the house. Or, you know, it's just like, he's so abusive to Meg, though. It's the shut up Meg thing. Like, I've seen that everywhere. Everywhere. You know, he... I don't know. And it's like, Lois could have had a great life. Like, yeah, her parents were, like, abusive in their own right. Like, you know, very unemotionally there for her. But she had a bright future, and he ruined it. Just goes to show that uh, us women are willing to ruin ourselves for men. No, I know. I, I don't want anyone listening going, wow, Tia, that was so, like, blah, blah, blah. No, I was just, I was saying it in jest. But I feel like that relationship kind of even touches upon that stereotype, right? Like, oh, yeah. look, there was this, like, you know, young woman who had such a promising career and a promising future and then decided to, you know, throw it all away for this guy because it was exciting and it was like, you know, he was so different than what she was used to. And now it's like, now you're, you know, in this life. Like, I forget, what does Peter even do? Like, I forget what his, like... Oh, but doesn't he, like, he's always drunk. Doesn't he, like, uh, end up in the beer? I don't, like, you're right. He is such a negligent father. When has he ever really even, um like held Stewie and if we want to talk about how creepy he is sometimes like the episode where he went to like female sensitivity training and literally tries to breastfeed Stewie oh, oh I remember that because yeah. Stewie reaches into his mouth and pulls out the that hair oh. like like I don't even see him really being like good with chris yeah and freaking as you said he's so abusive only because they're both idiots they're both idiots so they do get along but not only does he is he mean to meg right he's always like shut up meg when meg had like the measles or the mumps he like wasn't even attentive to her in that moment and lest us forget the time where he decided that he wanted to be a redneck and insinuated that it was time for him and Meg to have an incestual relationship. Yes, that was weird. He's weird. Do you you remember that episode? Like, I will never forget. He, like, put a fucking, like, uh, a couch. He put it, like, couch on the lawn and, like, sat and he's like, Meg, I'm a redneck now. He's like, so you know what that means. And she, like, runs away screaming. He's like, no, Meg, I meant sex. And I'm like, Oh my god. And I know like that's the point of Peter. Like I understand like yes, that's how he's supposed to be. You can't change him. But I'm also like if we're talking about bad fathers, I mean he's a pretty bad fucking father. Oh yeah. Like Like, uh Sorry. You go ahead. You go ahead. 
I was just gonna say, like, I get you. Like, that's the point of him. I don't want people to be like, oh, they're taking our car- a cartoon too seriously. It's like, no, I'm not gonna sit here and write petitions or anything like that. But as you said, this is a list of bad fathers, and Peter is a bad father. Father, he's a bad father. Um, oh, can I give an honorable mention for like a bad father? Yes. I can't remember his name off the bat, but the dad from Shameless. Oh, he's the worst. Frank Gallagher. The worst. worst. So he's my honorable mention. Really quick with that, I had to stop watching Shameless, right? Because everyone talked about how great Shameless is. It's so fantastic. My aunt was talking about it. People talk about Shameless. I started watching it, and to me, I'm like, I don't find anything funny about such a um, absentee father who is such an alcoholic to the point where the eldest daughter has to be the head of the household and take care of the responsibilities that he and a mother should be taking. And the fact that he's fucking... And there was one episode, like, I only watched some of the first season, but, like, he literally has no idea what's going on with any of his fucking kids. Um, They beg him to go to a, like, a, a parent's night so that like the youngest kid doesn't get freaking taken away by cps you know and he can't even like really do that but he can show up to some other woman's fucking kids shit and the fact that he had sex with like he had sex with like a 15 year old one of the girls in so in the show in the first season uh, one of his kids who's in high school was um dating this girl so high school age, right? And freaking she like goes off the deep end after like her father kills herself and shit. So um freaking she and like to be fair people say to be fair, Frank was so fucking drunk that he really couldn't even like comprehend that she was like literally starting to like ride him, but still but still, so f- I-, I couldn't watch Shameless because I'm like, I don't find anything funny about this. This is sad because there are so many people. And again, I know it's like, why are you taking it so seriously? But it's like they're the way they portrayed it, just it was so real to me. And I was like, there are families who live like this. I was like, it's not funny. So I know it's like I'm taking it way too seriously, but I just couldn't watch it and support it. I know, like, I started to watch it, and I was like, oh, you know, this is funny. And then I was like, I'm bummed out. Like, I'm, me and my dad are so, like, because we both get stressed out watching things. Like, dad will, mom will be like, dad, you know, like, Rod, we need to get, let's watch this. And he's like, no, it'll stress me out. <laughs> <laughs> time or two. I totally get it. Um, For my honorable mentions of the worst, before we move on to the best, is Mr. Wednesday from American Gods oh, and, yeah. and Freddy Krueger from the Nightmare on Elm Street uh, <laughs> franchise. <laughs> fucking dad. Yeah. So, fucking worst dad. But I think that you rounded it out perfectly with your number six with Peter Griffin. He's a terrible fucking father. So, let's get into more of a positive note in the best. So, now five through one will be the best fathers. I will start off with number five. And I am going to do... um, I'm going to do Andy Barber from Defending Jacob. 
And my reasoning here, so Brittany has heard me talk about Defending Jacob. I put it on our list of, like, current TV shows to suggest that you watch, you know. Um, Defending Jacob just premiered on Apple TV+. Plus. It had an eight-episode run, and Chris Evans played the character Andy Barber, right? And my whole reasoning why I think he's, like, the best dad is because his child is a literal literal murderer. Um, and he does anything to, like, he never really doubts his son except for, like, at the very end of the show. But besides that, he thinks that his son is innocent. He's willing to break, like, ethical laws, real laws, like, willing to do... All of this shit. Um, he has a very poor relationship with his own father who's in prison for murdering and raping a woman. And he hasn't seen his father in like decades. But because um, DNA is like necessary for the trial, he goes and tries to at least talk to his father for the sake of his son. Um, so he's always trying to defend his son. He's always trying to stand up for him and do everything possible to make sure that his son is proven innocent to the point of like doing real, like, honestly, like police work that the police aren't doing. So to me, I'm just like, he really believed his son was innocent this entire time, which I mean, he wasn't, but he really believed it and he did anything for his kid. What'd you say? Spoiler alert. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. Spoiler alert out there, guys. Spoiler alert. I mean, it's ended already for now, what, three weeks? Like, you should have been watching it. It's eight freaking episodes. And it's based off a book. So you could have just read what happens in the freaking book. All right? Jacob definitely murdered that person. <laughs> um, but Andy <laughs> was still a good father. So, yeah. Number five is going to be Andy Barber. I like Andy for that because you're right. Like, at least for me hearing about it, like he does go over and beyond. Like, isn't it like he's instantly like, you know, denying it. You know, no way it's his son. But the mom's like, well, maybe he did. <laughs> Wasn't the mom yeah. more like, like uh, panicking? Okay. So this is definitely spoiler alert. The mother like kind of instantly, um, starts making sense like she starts reasoning with herself that her son must have been the killer because there's she was saying like that there were signs growing up that like the son has social problems and that she always recalls this one um incident where they were at like a bowling alley party when jacob was like young and like around the age of five and she turned around she saw her son literally approaching another kid with a bowling ball above his head um with the clear intention that he was going so like to her she try she's like saying like there was so much there and andy's very and you can say like it's naive a little on andy's part but he was very much like that doesn't mean anything like you know that doesn't mean that our son like killed it's like to andy it was like he wanted to believe his son so badly and wanted to give him the benefit of the doubt and to him he was like his wife lori freaking so quickly like kind of accepted the fact that her son probably was the killer to the point spoilers that she tried to kill jacob at the end i mean fair enough right <laughs> fair enough i mean 
uh, and Andy definitely gets like the award for being like one of the best husbands because he doesn't even like he ain't even mad at Lori. He doesn't even like yell at her or anything. He like defend he defends her in front of like a grand jury when Neil is grilling him. Uh, like he could have threw her under a bus and been like, yeah. She tried to kill her fucking son, and he didn't. So he is just like, he's fallen on his sword for everyone. He's like, this is the only family I got, and I ain't restarting. I feel like that's what it is with Andy, is because obviously he um, only had, like, his mother. I forget if his mother really was in the picture, if maybe she got sick at an early age. I'm not exactly sure. But the fact that, like, his father was in prison, it was, like, a well-known case as well. And to him, he never felt really a semblance of family. So it's like he was willing to hold on to what he had so tightly, even if it was incredibly flawed. in that situation because I would instantly be in denial because I'd be like no way a child I raised that I tried to raise correctly would just murder someone but that's like a nature versus nurture type thing yeah like I mean I saw it from both ends I saw Andy as you said being just a father wanting to believe his son and wanting to, and especially since his father was in the justice system. So I think that he was kind of upset that people were so willing to immediately go after Jacob without really having any other leads. They were like, he pretty much was like, why aren't you even exploring other people? Um, But I could also see it with Lori because it's like, you don't want to be so like blind to it and i think laurie also felt really bad because it's like the person who jacob killed was another kid so it's like here was another set of parents who will never have their child back and i think laurie wanted to put herself in the shoes of how that would feel being that mother you know and it's like i don't think she i think she wanted to be like you know if my son killed this kid like i have to take responsibility for it we have to take responsibility for it now I'm out. Thanks, Kia. <laughs> I'm sorry, but the long end of it is that I think Andy Barber is one of the best dads. So he's going to be my number five. Brittany, what is your number four? I think I'm going to go with Jim Hopper. With who? Jim Hopper. Yes! Sh- Hopper! Hopper! Okay, first off, we know how badly the death of his daughter affected him to the point that, you know, uh, you know, they make mention of it, like, what, in season two, that, like, he he had a struggle with pills, you know, after he lost his daughter to, I think, leukemia, right? Yeah, or some I mean, kind of- they, they make that apparent in, like, season one. You see him, like, popping pills. And it's like, it's so sad, and, you know, in his struggle, you know, because you look back at the past, right? He was a loving father, you know, he holding his wife as his daughter passes away, you know, in the how distraught he was and how messed up he felt. And like, he just didn't know how to handle it. And, you know, what was he? He was, uh, he was a cop in New York, right? Yeah, he was part of the NYPD. 
Yeah, and it's like, and you have to think, you know, it's like he sees such bad shit all the time, and it's like that's the one thing that threw him over. And I wonder, like, how badly he must have struggled, but now we see, because where do Stranger Things takes place in? What's the name of the place? Oh, um, you're putting me on the spot here. I'm going to look it up. I can't remember it either. But basically, you know, we see him struggling. He's lost his wife. You know, he can't really communicate with her. And, you know, honestly, what I think is nice is that he went from not wanting anything to do with anything to he had to find the missing boy. He had, you know, like, you know, it it became apparent that he was kind of pulling out. It's almost like he had to have meaning in his life again, right? Because he did kind of go to a place where he could show up late. And, you know, what does he explain to, uh, oh, I'm forgetting names. He's like, you know, basically like, no, nothing bad happened. Nothing ever bad happens here. And that's kind of like, and now all the bad shit is happening. But his uh, thing with Eleven is so sweet. And, like, it's almost like he's finally getting to have that, like, healing process. And, like, you see how a protective he is and how maybe he would have been with his own daughter if she hadn't passed away. But it's like he goes over and beyond for her. Like, and it's like he did go of his way to try to find her in the forest when nobody else could find her. You know, he took her in, the egos, you know, and... And it just how careful he is to just try to be a good fatherly figure to her, even if he doesn't want her dating. And I was like, I don't know, Jim is just such like a good dad, even maybe if he's a little overbearing at times. But you have to suspect that like after losing his daughter, that maybe his second daughter, you know, he's kind of like he's going full papa mode because I don't know what he would do if he lost her. Um. Really quick, uh, Stranger Things takes place in the fictional town of Hawkins, Indiana. And, yeah, so I love Stranger Things. Um, I thought season three was great. Um, And I like season one a lot. Season two is good, but seasons one and three, to me, are the best. But I've I've gone back and, like, rewatched the show, like, multiple times. Um, There was nothing really that, like... Jim didn't have to take care of Eleven, right? Like, going back to see season one, his primary focus was getting Will back for, you know, uh, for Joyce, you know? Uh, Is it Joyce or Joy? Oh, my God. Now I'm bad with names. Hang on. I got to look that up because I don't want to be saying it, like, wrong a thousand times. But um, uh, Joyce, okay. You know, he freaking his primary objective is to find Will. Meanwhile, like the kids in Stranger Things are aware of Eleven, but he isn't really. And he only really like finds out about Eleven in like, you know, the last episode or so when it pretty much comes together. You know, the adults now working with the children to take down this like supernatural entity that they weren't even really aware of previously. Right. So it's like he really didn't have much interaction with Eleven prior to him deciding that he's going to take her in and I think it came from like obviously his fatherly instinct him being alone knowing that she's alone knowing that like you know none of the other families can bring her in that's going to put them at danger right you know because she's pretty much like a government like owned person which sounds wrong but you know um, 
And he decides to literally, like, bring her into the forest where he knows that she's going to be safe. And he raises her, right? He freaking, like, you know, puts booby traps around to make sure that if anyone's coming, like, you know, they'll know. He teaches her how to read. He gives her lessons. He freaking, you know, cooks for her. He pretty much, like, uproots his own life to stay in the... Because that wasn't his, like, original house, right? That was, like, I think he said it's, like, someone in his family's, like, cabin. You know, you see him, like, cleaning it up. That's not where he originally lived. He cleaned that up for her specifically so that he could keep her out of harm's way. And at the end of season two, he even asks one of the doctors who is involved with like the government, but like becomes their ally to pretty much um, doctor documents to say that he is now legally her father. Like, and as you said in season three, you know, he acts how any dad acts when his daughter starts dating to the point that he literally like threatens the kid where it was like in the previous two seasons, they were like working together. But I also have to say, um, cause the kid's name is Mike. Right. And freaking, even though like him and Mike definitely like butted heads in season three, there was a scene I really like in season two because Hop doesn't tell everyone that Eleven is still around because at the end of season one, it looks like she died, right? That's what all the kids think. Um, so in season two, for the majority of it, only Hop knows that Eleven is alive. And at like pretty much the second to last episode, it's revealed to everyone that Eleven isn't dead and it's revealed that Hop has been keeping her this whole time. Mike gets pissed because they had that special connection and he's just so upset and hop knows that like he needs to just get out and he literally just hugs like you know those scenes where like they're so emotional like beating on the chest and he just like hugs mike and shit and it's like he was just such a good dad to like everyone like him and joyce what they needed to do was just adopt all of the children. <laughs> right. They had good parents. You, know, with the, you get an adoption, you get an adoption, you get an adoption. Yeah. But I love that scene when he tells Mike, though, that his grandma is like, <laughs> just to draw him to the freaking car. And then he's like, your grandma's fine, but we're going to talk. And he like puts the fear of God in him. And does he like, start... Doesn't he start like yelling? Because at first, is Mike is like being a shit, and he's like, "Oh, but," and he was like, "If you want to continue, oh, what does he say?" He was like, "You're gonna tell her tomorrow that you don't want to hang out." He goes, "And then maybe, maybe, I will allow you to continue seeing my daughter." <laughs> Hello, Brittany, you're very far away. Let me see. Are we good? Are we golden, yeah. Tony? We, we golden. We golden. I like how I can just not move and my phone's like, ha, ha, ha. You, you hear nothing. You say nothing. <laughs> Bastards. Bastards. But, um, listen, I mean, David Harbour is freaking six foot three, right? And he is an imposing man. So if I were like a dweeby little kid and this man is yelling at me, telling me this shit, I would, I would obey. <laughs> like, 
I think honestly, Hopper put up way put up with way more than he had to or should have put up with. Because like they were like walking all over Hopper. Like I think it was fair that Hopper put the fear in him. Oh, they were being such little shits when he was trying. Because he told Joyce, like, he didn't know what to do. All they do is, like, kiss and everything. And Joyce is like, you know, you have to treat them like adults. You can't baby them. Like, just have a conversation with them. And he, like, tried. He, like, sat them down. He, like, tried to, like, you know, get the feelings out. And then they were just being, like, little assholes. And that's when he's like, so your grandma's in the hospital. And it's like, oh, my God, Mama. <laughs> I do remember that now because you're like trying to like be like you know because he you know they tried to practice it beforehand him and Joyce and you know they're just like kind of giggling and like you can see his face slowly turning in irritation and you're like oh no oh (laughs) no no you knew it was gonna be good I have to say that I can't wait for season four of Stranger Things and the fact that yes we got confirmation that Hop is alive I'm sorry there's no way that they would have permanently killed Hop like they know that Hop is like their bread and butter you know the kids are getting older they're the, the kids are getting older, they're getting lanky, they're not as cute, right? So you can't, like, you know, uh, ride on that, right? So it's like, what do people want to see? They want to see Hop, and they want to see Joyce, and they want to see Hop and Joyce together. So, yeah. <laughs> Long story short, they bang, okay? That is one of my favorite parts in the third. I know this is so off track, but that is one of my favorite parts in season three. Because it's like we have watched for three seasons, like sexual tension just bounce off of them. And no one has said shit. And finally, in the third season where Murray is like, just bang already. And when Alexi's like, what are you talking about? He's like, oh, I told them that they should have sex. And he's like, they haven't had sex yet. (laughs) And it's like, it's so obvious. (laughs) Just bang, just bang, okay. Just bang. (laughs) So yeah, I agree. Working in like a gulag, though. What did you say? I can't believe that like Hopper's been working in like a gulag, though. I know, poor Hop. Like (laughs) that's so that's so not fair. He's good. He's even more so going to need some TLC from Joyce when he comes back. You know what? I'm here for it, too. I'm, I'm here, here for, for it. it. Give us the comfort, the hurt and comfort fan fiction. Um, yeah. But <laughs> I will go to number three, um, and I am going to pick Yondu. Uh, because oh, if, there, if there's one thing that, to me is so great about like parents whether it's moms or dads it's not that blood makes them you know a good parental figure right um yandu to like this is gonna be funny i don't know why i just thought about this but remember in the second guardians of the galaxy where drax is like 
to Peter, he goes, Yondu's not your real dad. And they're and like everyone's like, no, Drax, like he's blue. Peter's like pink, you know? And Drax is like so confused by it. And I feel like that's something maybe in Drax's culture where like it doesn't matter if you look alike. Like to him, he perceived that that was always his dad, you know? But that could be something that we speculate some other time. My whole point is that. So we know from the background that Yondu was sent by Ego, Peter's biological father, to retrieve Peter. And the whole thing is that that is what Yondu is doing for a while. He was retrieving Ego's other offspring from other worlds and delivering them to Ego, which got Yondu um, excommunicated from the Ravagers because even though the Ravagers are you know, a outlaw group of quote unquote, you could say like scavengers and bounty hunters. Um, they have a code that they don't deal with children. And that's something that Yandu did. But Yandu thought that he was just say, retrieving someone's child. Um, he didn't realize what ego was doing with those kids at first. And then as soon as he found out, he decided to keep Peter, right? Not only to, I feel like, keep him safe but then just to raise him um because he had already taken him he couldn't just like bring him back to earth right um and obviously like from the first guardians we're like oh yondu is an asshole because he's like popping up he's trying to like get peter you know peter's trying to uh retrieve the orb and take it out of uh harm's way and yandu's like no you got to give it to me anyway because you know it's all about the money and the dollar bills and shit and yandu's always uh what you calls it pushing in peter's face like oh you know you should thank me when i first brought you here everyone wanted to eat you and i saved you <laughs> you know so they have all that but then the second uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. We get all these like layers to Yantu again, like why he got excommunicated from the Ravengers. I love his speech with Rocket, where he explains to Rocket, like I understand you push everyone away because you know you have to be the biggest badass, and anyone showing you any sort of kindness, like to you, that's a weakness because you've been hurt your whole life, so you can't let people in. You know, so he always like says that to Peter, um, and even to the point at some point where. Um, you know, Peter says to Yandu, like, oh, well, the reason you always told me why you kept me is because I was small and I can get into, th you know, tight spaces. And Yandu, like, looks at him kind of, like, hurt. Like, you really thought that that's the reason? Like, you, you took that seriously? Like, oh, you know? They even show, like, a quick flashback of Yandu teaching Peter how to, like, shoot a gun and everything. Um, and... So obviously this is leading up to Yandu's ultimate sacrifice for Peter, where he wasn't going to leave Peter alone. The planet was completely collapsing on each other. And Yandu says to Rocket, I'm going to stay here because I'm going to make sure that Peter gets off of this planet. And he's like, I haven't done much right in my life, but I'm going to do this right. And I love when he tells Peter, like, I'm sorry, I didn't do any of it right. He's like, and that man may have been your father, but he wasn't your daddy, you know? And I'm just like, <laughs> I want to cry, like, right now. Because I was like, Yondu ended up being, like, the father of the year. 
when in the first movie I was kind of like fuck Yondu not like I mean he's still a great character but I was like oh god Yondu's always showing up like literally two seconds after they defeat Ronan he's like where's the orb and I'm like oh come on Yondu did you not just see what the fuck happened I know. and I, lo- I love that he's just basically saving face and that when he gets back and he opens up the orb and there's <laughs> nothing in there what well, was there nothing in there was there like something it was a troll doll but he was so amused by it and i love in the second one where it's like he's like i ain't gonna kill peter and i just love how it's like you know he, that's why his crew like you know did mutiny against him uh that's why his uh crew i'm sorry everyone if you can hear that music my boyfriend just walked through the door and he has a uh, knack for blasting music Looking at you, Polly. Um, <laughs> um, but freaking, that's why Yandu got mutinied against in Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, not season two, the second one, is because he refused to hold Peter essentially accountable. Aww. No, I'm sad. Like, I wish I would have fully appreciated him more, but you never know a good thing when you got it. (laughs) I know, and James Gunn is very, like, vocal about the fact that he will not bring Yondu back because he thinks his sacrifice needed to mean something, and it did. And I think even the actor Michael Roker said that he wouldn't like to come back, not for any, like, you know, because he disliked the franchise, but because he, too, thought that that was, like, a good ending, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's about as good as you can get, you know? What'd you say? Become a hero. I still can't hear you. Sorry, you, like, went away. Can you hear me now? Yes. <laughs> I had a moment... Where I said hello, Moto, and like one of the younger people at my work looked at me funny because they didn't know because they were 18. And yeah, that's like you go, oh, but you know, I'm 26 now. And I went, hello, Moto. And they were like, what the hell are you talking about? It made me laugh. But um, basically, what I was saying was, you live long enough to, you're either born a villain and live long enough to see yourself become a hero. (laughs) And then Yondu. That's Yondu. I just love Yondu. He's such a great character. There's so much to like dissect and kind of take away when you really watch the two movies. And I think in the end, and okay, really quick, right? Before we move on, I think that Peter's speech at the end of volume two also really like was powerful and attested to it. Because what did he say? He goes, when I was younger... And I didn't know who my father was. I used to carry around a picture of David Hasselhoff, right? He was like, because I always wanted that to be my father. I always thought that that was, um, you know, I would tell people that's who my father is. And it's like, and he goes, but I pretty much did have David Hasselhoff because, you know, even though David Hasselhoff had a a talking car, Yondu had a flying needle. They both were badass. They both got with hot women, as he says. You know, he was like, he makes like these really good like comparisons. And it's like, you pretty much were like, you know, I idolizing who was your father. 
Well, now I'm depressed. Thanks, Tia. <laughs> yeah, so my number three is Yondu. Brittany, what is your number two? I'm going to go with the best of them all. No, I was joking because we still got the number one to go. But Frank Castle, the Punisher. Oh my god, that was on my list too, but I, I, have, a, I have a perfect number one. But yes, yes, yes. But- so we get Frank Castle and you go, man, why is this dude it's not, it's not the him? I can't really say that, but it, it's like the one-man team. Like, he can take out more people than, like, a whole freaking team. And you sit there and you go, well, why is Frank Castle doing this? You go, why is he so intense? Like, all the bullet wounds he takes, all the, like, the stabbing, the beating, everything he takes. Why does he do it? Why is he on this mission? Oh, because someone killed his children and his wife. And ever since then, he's been on a mission. And you think is you go, okay, he even admits, you know, when he came back from war and he came back and he felt so bad because he couldn't even read his daughter a bedtime story or play catch with his son or, you know, even take his wife to bed. And he says, like, he says, he's like, I couldn't even drink a beer. And and I think it's important that a lot of fathers, like, will sit there and they can at least recognize when they feel like they're not being the best. Because we sit there and go, that's understandable. If I just came back from a war, and even though he said, you know, war didn't scare me, but coming home did was his most nervous because you think about all the shit he's been through right you think about like and then suddenly he's going to be going back to normal and you know but he's going to finally be home home and we can't really blame him for not being able to do all those things the first day that he's home you know it's obvious that he's going to need some like rest but he has such guilt and feels so messed up about it that I think that's an important sign of a good father, you know, to be able to recognize that you don't feel like you're at your best. But you can tell, like, how much he loves his kids. Like, or, like, whenever uh, Owen Karen, you know, shows him the picture and he's like, you were in my house. And, you know, it's like, it's almost like that panic. That panic where it's like he almost can't, like, like I don't think he's even been in the house, has he? I don't even think he's been in the house since. No, like he, ha- he hasn't gone back to the house because Karen says that she's like, you haven't been back to your house, like so he hasn't been there since uh, he was shot in the freaking head. And I find that so wild. You know, I was still sad that like he set that house on fire, but I think it was because he just he had to move on somehow. Like that catharsis. Yeah. No, I agree. Um, as I said, Frank Castle was going to be on my list as well. I love that scene, by the way, where Karen um, shows him the picture and he just looks so like, like as if he was just ready in that moment to fucking like, I, I would have been scared if I were Karen, the way he that he was acting with that, like you were in my house. Like, That's so, something so personal and so deep that like even he couldn't go back to it right um and obviously his whole mission in daredevil season two was to exact revenge on the death of his family um and he clearly was very proud of his children he spoke highly about them um talked about his son playing soldier his daughter you know doing this doing that you know 
Um, but I also appreciated in, say, the Punisher season one and two, when he admitted that maybe he wasn't the best father, that his experience in war kind of um, made him a little different, you know? Like, I remember in season one where he takes his kids to the Statue of Liberty and it's like, you know... Uh, the daughter says something historical about the Statue of Liberty and the son says something like, oh, well, you know, that's what you do overseas, you know, dad, right? You, you, you go and kill them, like, but, and like uses a derogatory term for, you know, Middle Eastern people. And Frank doesn't like that because it's like he's realizing that like what he's doing over there is teaching his son that, you know? And he, he doesn't... so hard. Like he scares the shit out of his kid. He- yeah, but it's like, and he realizes that is like not the appropriate. Like he had these like non-appropriate answer, like reactions with his son. Even explaining that when he saw his son drawing on the walls, he you know pinned him to the ground and shit. And I think it's like Frank had a you know an issue with being this sort of like alpha male and having this relationship with his son that kind of was falling into the uh, stereotypical, like, prototype of, you know, the all-American military father and their son, right? And it's like, but he recognized that, but it's, like, almost sad because he recognized it, say, too late. Um, So he has that with his children. Obviously, he would give anything to have his freaking children back. But I also want to say is, Brittany, I know that you didn't watch season two. But he very much takes on this uh, fatherly relationship with the girl Amy. Um, yeah. And even though I wasn't the biggest fan of her character, I she did grow on me. And I did like how Frank treated her because he, like, um, whatchamacallit, it, he took it upon himself, like, really quickly to, like, involve himself in what she was you know, involved in. He, you know, made it very obvious throughout the season that, you know, that kid means a lot to me. He was like, and I will freaking defend her to the death. Like, if you're shooting at her, you're shooting at me type thing. But again, still has this, like, difficulty where of how to react because there's at some point where, you know, because she's young and she's obviously been on the run and she doesn't have, like, maybe a realistic grasp of certain things because, again, she's, like, 15, um, like there's one scene where he comes into the trailer cause he's keeping her in a trailer to keep her safe from people. And she yeah. kind of like, she kind of like springs at him because to her, she's showing him like, Oh, look, you know, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm learning. Right. But to him, you know, his, like his, uh, his reflexes are so much, he like literally like flips her over his fucking shoulder and like pins her to the ground. And he's like, don't you ever do that? Like, what's wrong with you? You know? And to her, it's like, and then he realizes like, you know, like I'm my own worst enemy right now. Cause I'm freaking freaking out. But he literally like does everything he can in that season to protect her. Um, and there's this one scene that I really like because remember in season two of daredevil, he tells, you know, Matt, because even though he's a killer and he calls Matt an altar boy, he also tells Matt, like, once you cross that line, there's no going back. And he almost, like, looks to save, like, Matt's soul in that case. 
And I think he does the same thing with Amy because there's at some point in the second season where they're trying to flee from these people and Amy ends up having to shoot someone out of defense, but she doesn't kill him. She shoots him. He's on the ground. And Frank goes up to her and checks her and he's like, are you okay? And she's freaking out and she's like, I killed him. I killed him. He's like, no, 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 no. You didn't kill him. You hurt him. And he takes the gun and he like shoots the guy in the head. He's like, I killed him. I killed him. You didn't kill him. <laughs> I know. It was like, Frank. <laughs> it's interesting that a lot of his anger is more so an outward expression of himself because, yes, he was yeah. mad at her for coming at him and he flipped her, but he was probably more mad like, hey, you know, I could seriously fuck you up and kill you, so please don't ever do that again. I think that was supposed to be his point like you know someone like him what were you thinking right the thing is like Amy doesn't really know who Frank is because you would expect a case like that would be so like internationally well known but it happened in New York it's very like honed into New York Amy's not from New York he doesn't meet Amy in New York so to her she's like I don't know who the fuck you are who the hell is Frank Castle I don't know who Frank Castle is. Should I know who Frank Castle is? You know? Should I know who this man is? Um, and also in season one of The Punisher, remember how um, quickly he tries to um, become fatherly to Micro's children? He, you know, is very sweet to the daughter. They, like, you know, put the car light back together. They're, like, you know, he's giving her compliments about, you know, what she's doing under the sink. And the son, kind of like his own relationship with his own son, is a little, like, butting heads. But it comes to such a, like, important moment where at first, like, Frank's like, I'm going to put the fear in him. You know, with the whole knife thing. And then when the sun kind of, like, breaks... Huh? I was thinking about that, yes. Yeah, and I forgot exactly what happened, but I think the sun was, like, almost made, like, an allusion to, like, he he didn't want to hurt other people. He wanted to hurt himself. And I think, like, that, like, took Frank, because it's like, this is a kid, and he's feeling these feelings and that you saw him how his fate like at first he was like intent on intimidating him and then suddenly his like face and he just like grabbed him and like brought him in because he's like oh my god well it was because frank held the knife to his neck and scared him right and this uh, the kid kept saying to do it because he said he wanted to die and yeah that he couldn't intimidate him because the kid already felt as bad as he could that's so sad. Like, it's so sad. And I think, I think Frank needed that because I think it put a perspective on his relationship with his actual son. <laughs> We're just sad people today, to you. I, but, I, but I do like this, though, because to me, yeah, it's like, like, you know, he wasn't, say, the perfect father. He didn't have everything, you know, together, but he was a loving father. And I think he grew in his like you know understanding of that and i think that like is what makes frank's castle frank that's what makes frank castle one of like the best ads i won't i will defend that like always (laughs) frank castle apologist oh 100 percent. whenever i hear someone like oh my god he did this he did that and i'm like it was necessary (laughs) it was necessary it was necessary Nice. Yeah. 
Yeah, but um, we're down to the last one, Brittany. Uh, I feel like we flew and we had a lot of fun here. So we've been doing the best and worst ads in TV and film. Uh, let's go down the list. As I said, uh, 10 through 6 are the worst fathers. So we have Harry Wormwood from Matilda. We have Odin in the MCU, Thanos in the MCU, Darth Vader from Star Wars, and Peter Griffin from... Uh, family guy to round out our worst fathers and now five through one is the best we have andy barber from defending jacob hopper from stranger things yondu from the mcu frank castle from the mcu i will still say the mcu they are canon to me and number one is let me look at my list um i'm gonna do it i know like people you know, you and I, we, we really like the MCU, and I feel like people are probably like, oh, all they do is always pick, like, MCU things. I can't help myself. Like, show me a good DC dad. I'll change my mind. Um, but freaking, I am going to pick Scott Lang, Ant-Man, oh, as the number one. Good. Good. <laughs> okay. He is literally, like such a precious father to his daughter right um in ant-man one we see how he comes out of jail and you know him and his ex are divorced she's with a new man he doesn't really even make like say an effort to try and get back with her he understands like they are exes even though he does say like you were the first love of my life I will always be your friend, you know, but he just wants a relationship with Cassie and he knows Cassie. Like, I love that he gives her that ugly ass stuffed toy and the stepdad who I'm not going to take, I'm not going to shit on the stepdad. I think that he was a good stepdad. He's just, you know, he had to be like all macho, like, oh, look, the, you know, ex-husband, the felon, you know, is trying to come in, but I've been here this whole time. So I'm not going to shit on the stepdad, right? Um, But, you know, I love when the stepdad's like, Oh, that's so ugly. And Cassie's like, I love it. (laughs) But it's like, you could definitely tell that his daughter is so much more than like, like a normal little girl. Like she definitely (laughs) is a daddy's girl. That like, on that added note, his panic when he comes back from like, you know, the quantum realm and he's able to come back and like how instantly you know, he hears about that, and he has to get back to his daughter, has to get back to his daughter, and he's, like, looking at the snap list, and he's, like, please don't be there, please don't be there, and he only sees his name. I was, like, no, it's so cute, but, like, when him running back to, like, when he finally sees his daughter, and it's, like, she's older, and I always felt like, I get, like, it's, like, oh, she's older, you know, and people are, like, but you gotta think, he missed out, like, on the best little girl years of her life like when they're like not dating you know they're not doing this they're not doing that they're just like your daughter and like now she's like what a teen yeah no I think of that all the time it's like yeah like thank god she's alive you know and didn't get snapped but like now she's five years older and those are years that he will never 
get back and they were so close when she was little like in the second ant-man where like she hung out with him all the time while he was under house arrest and he made like that big maze for them to have fun in and she just wanted to be his sidekick she was like oh i know that the wasp is your sidekick but maybe i could be your sidekick one day and um I do love, and he loves her. Like, he loves that she got him the world's best grandma little award because it was the only <laughs> thing they had left. But he's so amused by it. Like, that, like, to him, like, Cassie could do no wrong. Like, he loves being a father and he loves being a father to her. And she, like, loves him. She doesn't see, like, anything like that. Um, even the ex says, like, you know, just be the hero that your daughter already thinks that you are. Um, everything he does is for his kid but you're right like the kid is definitely not like your typical child because she like has a handle on things because doesn't she say she was like the popo's here (laughs) which is hilarious (laughs) because her her stepdad is a cop so she's like don't take my dad away the popo (laughs) i think that's two other stepdads protective because you know the dad like scott was in prison for like how many years three so the stepdad was there raising cassie oh that's kind of sweet they can both be good dads they can they can both be number and no and that's the thing is i think that the 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 movie doesn't take away from that like they don't try to make him like yes when you first see him you're like why is he always out for scott but it's his perception right as a police officer um and then once he like realizes you know then they're having dinner together they're showing they're like kind of you know being proud uh, over Cassie together um, in the second one he shows up to make sure that like everything is kosher when you know the FBI or whomever like search you know Scott's house like I think that it was important to show that like it doesn't always have to be where the biological parent and the step parent have to like hate each other right like some things just so, don't work out likes the step parent and it's like the step parent Man, hats off to step parents because they're literally stepping in and going, I'm going to raise this child like my own, even though they're not biologically mine. No, exactly. And I have a cousin where it's exactly that situation. You know, her her biological father is in the picture. He's a good father as well. But the mother remarried when she was like two. And that stepfather has brought it upon himself to be her father like he's like that's my kid but him and the biological father get along they i've been to plenty of barbecues where there's the stepdad and there's the biological dad and guess what they're doing they're fucking chatting to each other like you know so i think it's important to show that as well and that's what they do in the ant-man series but um scott is just a great dad as you said in the in, in Endgame, him just so desperate to make sure that, you know, his daughter is safe. Um, you know why I think they did that, by the way? Why? Because I think in the comics, the daughter does become, like, a version of the Wasp or something I like that. Too. Yeah, and I think they're, like, almost alluding that one day she will take it over. Like, I feel well, like yeah. this is all like a contingency plan that like oh once we ride out the wasp and all this you know she'll be old enough she can take over 
Well, you know, in the second Ant-Man, you know, Cassie says, like, I would love to be your sidekick, right? And then they decide to skip her ahead five years so that they can have her older to fill that role. And I do believe that, as far as I know, this could just be rumor, but I believe that the MCU is trying to work up towards a young Avengers storyline. And in that Cassie is one of the young Avengers. So I think that they're trying to work up towards that. Oh, you know, Spider-Man's got to be in it. Though he's not really like young, young anymore. I think it's like he would probably be about to be like a young adult by this point. Well, at this point, he was a um, high school senior. Because remember, he got snapped, so he missed those five years. So, yeah. no, not even a senior. I think he's, like, still 16 or something like that. Because yeah. um, yeah. um, he was on, remember, he was on the school bus, right, in the in Infinity War, and he got snapped, and he came back, and then there was Far From Home, and he was, I think he's, like, a senior in, either a junior or a senior in high school still. So, he's still young. 21. And he was supposed to be 21 by <laughs> point because, uh, oh, what's his face? Oh, mean boy. It was oh, like the flash plane. And they're like, oh, yeah, he, uh, he's a, uh, what they call those kids that he got like, he got blipped. Yeah. They were like, ma- they were like, ma'am. He, he was the blip. He's not really 21. He's still just 16. And they, like, looked at him and, like, pushed him away and took the <laughs> champagne from his hand. <laughs> oh, poor, poor little bastard. No, I, I kind of feel bad for Flash now. Ever since, like, we rewatched, like, Far From Home and someone pointed out, like, how sad it is that, like, you know, they were pretty much almost killed over in Europe, and while everyone else's parents were there waiting for their child to land, they couldn't even be bothered to come to the airport. He was like, where's mother? And they were like, and like, pretty much the driver just like shrugged. And someone even said that, like, if you notice, he's constantly trying to, like, call them, and he, like, texts them at some point, and someone, like, screenshots, and it's just a bunch of text messages, like, are you there, mother? Are you getting this text message like, hey, we're in like Europe and we're getting attacked and everything. So it's like his parents gave no shits about him. They can be on our worst parents list. They could definitely be on our worst parents list. But yeah, so Scott Lang is my number one. I love Ant-Man. I think that Paul Rudd playing Scott Lang is a gift to uh, the universe. Um but I think that our list of like the best parents are definitely amazing because Frank Castle 100% is one of the best fathers. Um, did you have any honorable mentions, Brittany? Probably Hal from Malcolm in the Middle because I love Hal and because he's putting up with all these shithead kids. But he also <laughs> is like, he's like Mr. Mom, you know, like he's constantly yeah. like the one that cooking cleaning you know he's like he's definitely cool he kind of reverses like the the family stereotype and then probably Ned Stark because who else at that point would let their daughter in medieval times like practice with a sword and try to do manly things that is true Ned Stark never like I think there was a small point of him that was like oh Arya can't you be like all the other girls but then he just was like, well, if you're going to be like this, then you're going to be the best. 
you know like he was just like i'm not gonna he's like i can't force you to you know be girly or do any of this if you're gonna fight with swords then i'm gonna teach i'm gonna hire a professional to literally teach you how to properly sword fight no i love it i agree with that um my honorable mentions were um I just had Cliff Steele, Robot Man from Doom Patrol. Dad. Huh? I said, like, he's a good dad, but, like, like, well, at least to other people, you know, he wasn't always the best dad. Well, I just think, you know, he wasn't, say, like, again, like, I like the flaws, right? Because maybe he wasn't, like, particularly the best man. I mean, he was, like, banging the nanny all the time. But he loved his daughter. You know, he, I think, was the more attentive one. Because literally, freaking, um, when they show the flashback and the daughter's crying, the wife is like, where's the nanny? She's crying. And it's like, you know, yes, like, the nanny was out banging, you know, Cliff. But Cliff says, like, you can't be so scared of her, honey. Like, she's your daughter. Like, what? Like to me, it's like, why did the mother need the nanny to freaking console the daughter? You're the mother, you know? So it's like, I know that Cliff wasn't the best father, but I just like the flawed characters because he missed out on so many years of his daughter's life. And that eats him up constantly to the point where he takes on a very fatherly relationship with Jane and is always looking out for Jane. And even when he goes to the underground, he sees that there are these memories that clearly there was sexual abuse from a father figure in the past. And he like f- tries his best to fight off that figure in the underground, in Jane's mind, essentially. Well, that's awfully depressing. Yeah. How depressing. So. Uh, thank you. <laughs> I'm sorry. Do you want to send out a message to your father since it's Father's Day to kind of pick this right back up, Brittany? <laughs> oh, like, I think it's, I always get so shy because I'm like, uh, I don't think uh, I'm trying to think of the word for it. But my dad's pretty cool. He's pretty. Uh, he's pretty all right. He's uh, good in small doses. No, I was just joking. My dad's wow. the best. Well, he has to deal with you. <laughs> I was to say, what's funny is all those times I would fight with dad, mom would be like, y'all are too much alike. And I was like, no, I'm nothing like him. And I go, oh, God, I'm just like him. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, no, uh, happy Father's Day to Rodney out there. Um, and happy Father's Day to my dad and my grandpa. I will be seeing them in a little bit. Uh, so I'm excited about that. But Brittany, uh, before we close everything out, please promote yourself. Let everyone know what are you doing? I saw that you obtained The Last of Us Part 2. Is it as sad and heart-wrenching as people are making it seem? Oh, God. I'm not Tia. I, I <laughs> like, I love streaming. I love playing games. I legitimately am dreading playing this game tonight because I already cried the last time I played it, and I ended at a point where it made me so sick. Like, you ever have something so bad happen in a game that it makes you sick to your stomach? Or, like, in a show, 
And I left off right after that because I quit streaming early because I was so oh, bummed no. out about it that I know I have to pick up right after that point and I'm not ready for it. I will be so mad. Well, that's depressing. Know, uh. You can find me at twitch.tv slash Brit and on Twitter at Brit 0 So if you want to see me be depressed and cry, that's exactly the place to find me. Exactly. Everyone, make sure you check that out for uh, yes. more quality, quality crying content from yes. Brittany. But seriously, she is a very dedicated streamer who spends a lot of time, a lot. I could never do a six-hour stream. So she definitely puts in the work. So you better go and make sure you check it out and appreciate it. Um, but you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Tia Fabi. Um, I also, on top of doing the top 10 and writing news articles and opinion pieces and reviews, I did a, a review for Doom Patrol season two, because I got the opportunity to watch the first three episodes um, which were fantastic. So you could definitely check out that review. Um, on top of that, I do a few Tea Time with Tia videos on our Geek Vibes podcast page on YouTube. Um, we had a few things this week, such as the trailer for Netflix's upcoming show Cursed and Amazon Prime's upcoming season two of Hannah. Um, so I did a review on those trailers. So please make sure you check that out and like and subscribe. Um, we at Geek Fives Nation, you can find us geekfivesnation.com. We're on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Vero, YouTube, uh, anywhere, any, any, everywhere and anywhere that social media exists. We're there. So make sure you check it out. But, um, Brittany, thank you for joining me. I'm so happy that you're back. Um, I can't wait to do this again. <laughs> Either we'll, uh, we'll roll into next weekend and have something even more amazing. I'm gonna say really quick thing. I actually like getting to break it up into five of five. Like maybe if we're doing the best of a movie, maybe we can do the top five best scenes and the top five uh, worst scenes. Yeah, no, it was a cool format to be able to like break it up so that you know it wasn't like as say stressful coming up with say like five and five and then having to do like um you know extras just in case the other person got it like i did like it i like this format i've been thinking about it for a while um so i'm glad that we got to test it out on this one good test run good test run good test run but thank you Brittany, and happy father's day everyone thank y'all happy father's day have a great sunday bye